Chapter 19. Found You. The moment Luca was out of the cafe, Adrian started packing up his books. What was that? Olya was saying, eyes bulging out of her head. How long have those two been hanging out? Nino shook his head. It's not like Marinette to keep that from us. Adrian couldn't help scoffing at his ignorance. He was getting the sense that neither of them truly knew Marinette, and not by any fault of their own. Marinette was the one choosing to keep her life under lock and key she was the only one at fault. I'm going after her, he told them, yanking on his coat. Based on Saturday night's patrol, Luca was difficult to track. He wanted to believe they were going straight to second skin, but he couldn't be sure. When Luca toyed with the edge of Marinette's shirt, his blood turned from hot to boiling. She didn't pull away, but the pulse in her throat flickered. The fact Luca thought he had some sort of claim to her was bad enough the fact Marinette went along with it was worse. Olya snickered behind her hand, and Adrian repressed the urge to shake her. But she didn't know what he did. I didn't realize you two were so close, she said, elbowing Nino. You're jealous, pretty boy. Adrian couldn't tell if the heat in his face was anger or embarrassment. I'm not jealous. Nino rolled his eyes, but Adrian had already let Luca get too far. He handed Nino his bag. Hold on to this for me. I'll swing by and grab it this evening. Go get your girl, Olya teased as he stalked away. He ignored the pleasant thrum in his chest at her words, brushing it off as paranoia. There was a gaping hole in his ribs, the bone replaced with raw, unadulterated fear in Marinette's absence. Plague must have sensed it, too, because as soon as they were out of the public sight, he was circling Adrian's ring. The transformation didn't ease any of his worries, and he scrambled onto the Parisian skyline. Shouts of elation rose from the streets, but he could only offer the fans a strained smile and wave before bounding toward Rue du Chasse. He stopped at the edge of the block, eyes narrowing at the men in black unofficially stationed around the area. To passers-by, they looked like regular smokers loitering at corners, trading meaningless chatter. Chat was more perceptive. If he didn't want to give himself away, he was confined to the shingles. Two shadows stretched across the street, long and blurred in the waning light of the sunset. His lips parted in a sigh of relief at the sight of Marinette, alive and well. An arm in arm with Luca. The way he was looking at her, like she was a star coming to scrape the earth, made his stomach churn. He had her tucked against his side, his jacket hung across her shoulders. She was giggling softly at something she said, and even the trash in the gutters seemed to glow in her presence. She was absolutely radiant. Which made whatever Luca had planned that much more chilling. They disappeared into second skin, and Chat crept silently closer to the building. Men stalked back and forth down the street, their heads on a constant swivel. There was no chance he made it in the shop undetected, especially since he didn't know what the security inside looked like. What good would he be to Marinette if he was caught? No, his best chance was to monitor her from afar. His miraculousness gave him the power to hear her heartbeat through the wall, alongside Luca's slower pulse. Condemned to inaction, he slumped against the edge of the roof, 
pressing his palms into the brick as if he could reach inside. He tipped his head back and shut his eyes. She's smart, he whispered under his breath, trying to calm the buzzing in his skin. She won't let him do anything. But hadn't she let him touch her in the cafe? Hadn't she let him take her away? Hesitantly, he let himself consider the other side of things. Maybe Marinette hadn't been coerced, that Luca had genuinely won her over. Because if that was the case, this wasn't really his business anymore. Then again, Marinette was the person who always patched him up. If not for her quick thinking and compassion, he wouldn't be able to truly protect Paris. So this wasn't about jealousy, it was about Paris' best interest. His ears flickered as her heartbeat sped up, adjacent to the clink of Luca's rings. What chap wouldn't give to be a fly on the wall, to have some kind of visual to assure himself she was safe? But no, all he could do was sit and wait and pray to whatever god existed that Luca wouldn't try anything. The sun set by the time the shop door creaked open. Chat jolted to his feet, barely remembering he was supposed to stay hidden. Marinette and Luca's silhouette danced over the cobblestone, much too close for Chat's comfort. Luca cupped his palm to the side of her face, and Chat saw red. His lips brushed her cheek, and Marinette squeaked her surprise. Good night, Marie, said Luca, and what kind of tone was that? Who did he think he was, talking to girls like that talking to Marinette like that? Chat's fingers tightened around his baton, resisting the urge to extend it into Luca's stupid face. Cheeks dusted pink, she walked backwards down the street, smiling sweetly in Luca's direction. Still, it didn't reach her eyes. Rimmed with shadows, they were still as dazed and hollow as ever. Now it was Luca's pulse that picked up, and he smoothed a hand over his sternum. Even when Marinette turned around, he didn't stop staring after her. Chat waited until he went back inside before tearing after Marinette. She was already halfway down the street, wedged books clicking off the pavement. She had her thumbs hooked in the straps of her backpack, her mouth pressed into a thin, uneasy line. She looked wholly too small, too vulnerable. The way she kept glancing around made Chat wonder if she knew about the men scattered throughout the dark alleyways and storefronts. Again, he had to force himself onto the next rooftop instead of jumping down to escort her. There were a solid three blocks of unofficial security. By the time the stench of cigarette smoke and sweat dissipated, Marinette's shoulders were sagging from the weight of her bag. Her heartbeat had yet to slow, still pounding rapidly in his ears. As soon as she was the only thing in sight, Chat tapped open his baton and landed at her side. She jumped a full foot across the street, eyes blown wide before she realized who it was. Chat opened his mouth, hoping to say something smooth, but she grabbed the bell hanging around his neck and jerked him into an alcove. His throat bobbed against the taut fabric. She held firm. I'm being watched, she hissed that sweet expression gone and exchanged for irritation. If they see me with you, they're going to think we're in cahoots. He made a choking sound that almost resembled a laugh. I don't think anyone's been in cahoots since 1950. She scoffed, but released him. He had to bend over to avoid scraping his head on the storefront's low overhang, and he backed up to avoid intruding on her space. 
What are you doing here, chat? she asked wearily. No woman should be walking alone at night, he told her, feeling himself slip back into suave chat noir. His eyes narrowed conspiratorially. And they definitely shouldn't be watched. Never mind the fact he followed her to second skin and stayed within a ten-meter radius. It's complicated. She crossed her arms over herself, picking at her bottom lip. The streetlights cast her in a yellow glow, illuminating the stray hairs wisping out of her bun. Her brow was furrowed in thought, but Chat didn't like how troubled she looked. Like the whole world was on her shoulders, like she was about to go to war. The men watching you are back there. He pointed a single claw down the street, dropping the cadence of his voice to something uncharacteristically serious. Let me walk you home. She raised an eyebrow. That's rather forward of you. Only for you, princess. He tucked one of the backpack straps off her shoulder, and she let him take it with a huff of annoyance. Before she could draw into herself again, Chat took her hand, friendly enough to be casual but close enough to evade any other nightcrawlers. She didn't appear to mind. Then again, her expression had yet to reveal anything beyond frustration and worry. Her fingers were limp in his grasp, her gaze still searching up and down the street. So, Chat started, who's watching you? She startled as if she'd forgotten he was there. It's nothing. My friend got in with the wrong crowd, so they have to be, um, careful about who gets to see him. Making sure you won't snitch. Something along those lines, said Marinette. Chat bit his tongue, yearning to ask the very questions that would shut her down. Why are you seeing him if he makes you uncomfortable? Marinette rolled her eyes, but this time it was fond. I told you, it's complicated. Mouth going dry, Chat switched his attention from her to the road beneath their feet. Do you? Are you guys dating or something? Her hand was iron around his. Why would you think that? Love is complicated, he said bluntly. I know you wouldn't normally associate with criminals, but if you love him, if you guys are in cahoots dash. We're not dating, she cut in, the side of her head pressed punishingly into his shoulder. He could smell her lavender shampoo, hear the exhale of exhaustion fogging in the night air. He was my friend, chat. I don't want to leave him to the wolves, she said, gentler. He could understand that, but then again, it was hard to understand anything with her body so close to his. She'd given up any pretense of keeping her distance, her entire side pressed up against his ribs. She was leaning on him, depending on his strength to keep her upright. And why shouldn't she? She spent every day hard at work, burying her pain beneath studying and false joy. In her mind, Chat was the only one who didn't have a direct line into her life. Are you going to fall asleep on the road, he joked. She sighed against his uniform, breath fanning the underside of his jaw. Maybe. He glanced down at her, frowning at how her eyelids drooped. Before he could overthink it, he bent and swept her into his arms. He expected her to shout at him, not curl herself up contentedly against his chest. How tired was she? He considered pulling out his baton, but that would risk disturbing her. 
he convinced himself her heavy backpack balanced out her weight, that he wouldn't be sore in the morning if he trekked the full mile to her apartment. It turned out not to be an issue, because holding Marinette filled him with such an overwhelming sense of rightness, he was sure he could continue for eternity. It was a miraculous she had even allowed their proximity. Distantly, he mourned the fact Adrian would never get to experience this, that Chat's encounters with Marinette and Adrian's were two starkly different things. Maybe it was because Chat was a superhero, because he was obligated to help others, that Marinette opened up around him. Adrian, on the other hand, had made a drunken scene. He had yet to pick up a drink since that morning with the security recordings, but being with Marinette solidified that discipline. He couldn't risk losing his relationship with her as Chat like he'd lost his relationship as Adrian. They made it back without a hitch, and her apartment was unlocked. He adjusted so he could hold her with one arm and climb the ladder to her room with the other. He did his best not to look around her living space, unwilling to expose himself to the sort of privacy Marinette wasn't willing to share. When he laid her across her bed, she sucked in a breath. Chat froze until her breathing evened out, and she was back asleep. He crept back downstairs to lock her door, then found a post-it note to scrawl a short message. He didn't want her to freak out when she woke up in her room after falling asleep on Rudy Chas. Setting it at the foot of her bed, he forced himself to leave through the trap door without looking around, forcing himself to go back to patrolling instead of investigating. Because the hospital-like scent of old blood and sterilized metal hung heavy in her room, permeating every inch of the area. It was enough that the hair stood up over the back of his neck for the rest of the night, even when he retired to his own bedroom and threw Plag a block of cheese. Marinette was already hiding so much. It terrified him to think there was more. Chapter 20, The Lumineers Are Liars The minute she woke up, Marinette knew she made a mistake. First thing she checked was her miraculous, hands flying to her ears so fast she almost smacked herself. When that was intact, she patted her arms, her legs, testing for anything broken or bruised. She couldn't remember the last time she blacked out, but the following procedure was branded into her brain. He left you a note, said Tiki, waving around a pink post-it. Marinette's shoulders caved, fingers stilling over her calves. Right, Chatnoir had brought her home. She didn't have to keep checking there was no way he would have let her be hurt. With a grateful sigh, she took the note from Tiki. We got home around midnight, and I locked the door. Until next time, princess. She set it down on her sheets, raking a hand through her hair. Logically, she knew she shouldn't have fallen asleep in the first place. They were walking down a street, in the dark, and she could have stayed awake if she wanted to. But Chat was there, and he was warm. When he picked her up, she couldn't help melting. She missed feeling solid, like she wouldn't disappear in a breath and reappear in the next. Maybe that was why she didn't push Chet away. Besides Ladybug, Chat Noir was the only person in all of Paris with the power to truly protect. The police could make all the claims they wanted, but they were limited by the law, by the government. With everyone in Paris cheering him on, Chat Noir was permitted to do anything he liked. If it were anyone else, Marinette might be terrified. 
she tried to think if she'd ever been afraid of chat. The only moment she could think of was that night on the Eiffel Tower, back when he smelled of alcohol and bad decisions. Her fear was born of confusion, though, not panic. Chat was too good, too solid for panic. Then she moved to get dressed, shoving yesterday's events to the back of her mind. Adrian was waiting for her outside of the lecture hall, the permanent creases around his mouth slightly smoothed out. You've got flour in your hair, he said, lifting a hand as if to pick it out himself. Thanks. She moved backward, using her own fingers to brush away the powder. His expression shuttered, and he scratched his jaw instead. Olya had already texted her to say she was with Nino, and that they were staying inside around other people. Marinette had instructed her in how to make herself nearly invisible, claiming to have gotten it from Google. Olya was too distressed to question it. She and Adrian took their spot in the back of the hall, their heavy backpacks thinking against the linoleum. You look tired, she told him. Looking down at his phone screen, it took him a few seconds to register her voice. Oh, yeah, Natalie sent me a, a schedule. Marinette scoffed. Talk about deja vu. Right? He shifted in his seat, tilting his phone screen so she could see. I mean, it's a pretty big competitor, and if I do the shoot, I have some good networking opportunities. Calvin Klein. Marinette couldn't help the way she choked on the words, eyes glued to the email. You're going to do an underwear shoot? The way Adrian shrugged, she might have guessed he was completely comfortable with the idea. But his fingers drummed over his leg, lips twisted in a terse line. They've been asking about it since I was 14, actually. My father signed something promising they could use me when I was of age. I hope you're hearing yourself. Of age. Promising. This sounds more like an arranged marriage than a career. Aggressed fashion made a commitment dash he started. Marinette sucked in a breath, turning wholly to face him. Aggressed fashion does not own you. If you're uncomfortable having pictures taken in your underwear, you can back out. I'm sure Calvin Klein can find another model. Toying with the strings of his sweatshirt, Adrian made a thoughtful sound. The fans would go insane, he said slowly. They'd probably buy out the line the minute the shots come out. Are you that desperate for money? My father made a deal with them, Marie, I'm not going to back out of business negotiations just because I'm a little camera shy. The PowerPoint slides were starting to flicker over the projector. Raising an eyebrow, Marinette leaned closer and said below her breath, as long as you're okay objectifying yourself for the sake of business. His nose scrunched in indignation, but the professor was already talking. They could only sit in the tension, pressed as far away from the other as they could. Why was Marinette giving him the time of day? As kids, they lived two different lives, and that hadn't changed as adults. She was her parents running a bakery and trying to help as many people as she could. She didn't know Gabriel all that well, but the way Adrian's nose turned up when he was challenged, the lines that appeared in his forehead when he was exasperated, it was all his father. She would never tell Adrian, but sometimes, when he got angry, his voice was Gabriel Agrest's. Like when Luca showed up to walk her to second skin, 
and Adrian stood up so fast she didn't notice him. That was diplomatic Gabriel, uneasy but putting on a show Gabriel. It was the version she saw on TV and quoted in internet articles. She knew Adrian wasn't his father, his inherent compassion made that glaringly obvious. Still, the resolute way he was handling business, the willingness to go along with whatever as long as it reflected well on the company, made her entirely uneasy. Because the question was, how far would he go? She couldn't help feeling that Gabriel was at fault for all of this the modelling and the people-pleasing and the hard-headedness. Adrian was a model before he was a son, a business associate before he was family. And despite being an adult, Adrian was still playing into that mindset. And Marinette had no right to meddle with that. A long lecture later, Marinette packed away her notes and left, Adrian close at her back. Why are you so against this, he snapped forcing her to turn around in the stuffy corridor. Students were staring, mouths agape at the sight of Adrian, but he wasn't paying attention to them. Didn't even flinch at the flash of camera phones. She edged away from the lecture doors, trying to find a more private place. Why do you care, she said tightly. Adrian huffed, following her down the hall. Believe it or not, I respect your opinion. You can't tell me I'm objectifying myself by doing the same job I did as a kid and leave it at that. There are cameras, she hissed. So? His voice was hard and unyielding, the fact of his presence impossible to deny. Everything about his posture was forceful and resonant. She couldn't even imagine him as a teenager anymore he was too commanding, too powerful to be anything but a man. She darted into the stairwell and climbed up taking the steps two at a time. She didn't have to look to know Adrian was right behind her. Once they were on the roof, voices muffled by the autumn wind, she took a deep breath. What do you want me to say? The truth would be a good start, he said through his teeth. Even though he stood a good two meters away, she felt the weight of his closeness. You have never denied your father. She steadied herself for the worst but Adrian only blinked. Everything he asks of you, you do without question. The sort of control he had over you in high school was horrific, and now that you're an adult, you're still feeding into it. I know you don't want to do this campaign you know you don't want to do this campaign so why are you even thinking about it? His hair blew across his forehead, framing the intelligence in his bottle green eyes. A breath left his lips, and he hung his head forward to ruffle his hair. The severity of the creases in his brow betrayed how hard he was thinking. Everything in her was screaming at him to break away from whatever hold Gabriel had over him, away from the toxic obligations and the life that had been forced upon him. She couldn't fight this battle for him, or for anyone in his situation. He was the only one capable of making the decision. She wanted him to make the right one. His cowardice was livable, she knew. He could go through life somewhat smoothly while maintaining the relationship with his father, obeying his every wish. But without Gabriel, Adrian could be so much more. Marinette waited a minute, then two, before she broke. Are you going to say anything? I'm trying to figure out what I can tell you, he responded, fiddling with his ring. There's a truckload of legal work involved in this. 
Her stomach dropped, and she fought the urge to smack herself. You're not saying, you're not saying you have to do this. His expression was solemn, the smile lines around his eyes completely flat. As my legal guardian, my father was able to sign the contract himself. This photoshoot is four years in the making, and it's this weekend. I don't have the time to fight it, now. Adrian, she murmured, then couldn't think of anything more to say. Anything more to convey how sorry she was, how desperately she wanted to do something. The corners of his mouth twitched. It is what it is. I only told you because, well, from a business standpoint, Calvin Klein is a great partnership. Aggressed fashion won't have to worry about sales for a long time after this campaign is over. His words were nails in the coffin, a gavel coming down. Marinette shifted a few steps in his direction, as if her proximity could somehow help his case. Even if she wasn't a model, she knew a few things about the occupation more importantly, she knew what could disqualify him. You could get a tattoo, she suggested, shoulders lifted to her ears. That would take the attention away from the underwear and away from, you. He shook his head, the smallest laugh bubbling from his throat. I already have one. It didn't change their minds. You. Marinette couldn't stop her hand from clapping over her mouth, eyes wide with shock. Adrian's mouth split into a full grin, gaze alight with amusement. Don't tell me that you, Adrian aggressed, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, have an actual tattoo? Aren't you about to get one, he shot back playfully. But Marinette's blood flooded with dread, and her nod was shaky. Does it? She wet her lips. Does it hurt? He froze, the swell of his chest hitching for a moment. Depends on where you get it, he said at last. My collarbone. She rubbed her fingers over the spot for good measure, chewing on the inside of her cheek. Lucas got it all sketched out. Our next session is supposed to be the needle. Something black flashed through his gaze, but he clamped down on it well. Eat something beforehand, he told her, voice softer than she'd ever heard it. Drink a good amount of water, not just coffee actually, you should bring a water bottle, too. Make sure your phone is charged, because you'll want something to keep you occupied. And, ah, make sure the artist knows what he's doing. He kept his tone light, but Marinette saw the stiffness of his shoulders. The door banged open, a campus security guard stomping toward them. Adrian positioned himself casually in front of Marinette, looking down on the guard. You guys aren't supposed to be up here, he said gruffly, more exasperation than anger. Let me explain, said Adrian, lifting a placating hand. His features were set in perfect, rich boy fashion, and even Marinette was eager to hear what he'd say. Then the guard's radio crackled, a garbled voice calling out, shots fire on the south side I repeat, shots fired. Ice swept through Marinette's system, the horror curling in her gut. That's where Olya's class was, that's where their cafe was, that's where Marinette promised her she'd be safe. She must have made some sort of sound, because Adrian spun toward her, the frantic question in his eyes. Olya, she whispered, not bothering to hide the tremor in her voice. Her arm was in his reach if he wanted to stop her, he could. 
she didn't dare give him the chance. She bolted past the security guard, throwing herself down the stairs without a second thought. The weight on her back nearly sent her toppling over, but she regained her balance and kept going. There were footsteps behind her, louder and sparser than her own. She sucked in a breath, prepared for him to yank her back, to force her to stay out of the action, but he didn't. Go go go, he said, and she couldn't agree more. By the time she reached the ground floor, Adrian was running at her side. They tore through the quad, easily matching each other's pace. Their backpacks slapped at their spines, but they didn't have the time to throw them off. Red and blue lights flashed ahead of them, and Marinette pushed herself harder. There was a stitch in her side, but the dread in her chest was worse. Olya, she shouted, stumbling into the courtyard on shaky legs. She whipped her head from side to side, vision too blurry to see clearly. Adrian grabbed her shoulder. There, he said, pushing her towards a fountain. Marinette felt herself fall forward, sucking in a deep breath at the sight of Olya. Wrapped in a grey shock blanket and surrounded by EMTs, her friend wore a look of mute horror. Nino sat beside her, his hand rubbing her back. What happened, she demanded, squeezing her way to Olya's side. The EMTs made to scold her, but Adrian shot them a fierce glare. That's our friend, he told them, taking his place next to Nino. Olya's bottom lip trembled, and Marinette wrapped both arms around her waist, offering her as much stability as she could. We were studying under the tree, she rasped. We were just studying, and then we heard it, and Nino grabbed me, but my book. She pointed a shaky finger at the textbook discarded in the grass, and Marinette felt her lung collapse. There was a bullet hole in the center of the pages, tearing apart the spine. For how close the shot must have been, how near to Olya's head. Her brain went fuzzy, and it was an effort to take another breath. It was only one shot, said Nino roughly. He hadn't stopped rubbing circled in Olya's back. I took her inside, and we didn't, didn't hear anything else. Over Olya's head, Marinette caught the hardened look in Adrian's eye, mirroring her own. The gangs had never brought their business into places of academia, much less a setting as prestigious as their university it was too much of a risk, too much bad representative. But whoever was after Olya wasn't willing to bow to the risks. Really, who was she kidding? Between the email address and the caginess of Luca's demeanor, he was involved. The police are here, said Marinette hollowly. They'll take care of you. Even as she said it, she knew she was lying. The Parisian police were dedicated, but they didn't have the sort of power as Ladybug and Chat Noir. It was impossible for her to keep tabs on Olya at all times she knew that now but if she traded shifts with Chat Noir, maybe that would work. Because if anything happened to Olya, and subsequently Nino, she didn't know if she could handle it. She didn't move from clinging to Olya, and when the EMTs had to take her blood pressure, she held Olya's hand tightly. The rooftops were clear, but she scanned them another dozen times. There were so many hidden places, so much she couldn't detect. Not for the first time, she considered being Ladybug permanently, never leaving the costume. And not for the first time, she thought of Tiki's well-being and discarded the idea, 
If only her life didn't affect anyone else. If only her decisions could relate solely to herself. Her phone went off, and she reluctantly dug it out of her pocket. It was a notification for her last appointment with Luca, starting in an hour. She felt herself go deathly still, the resolve coursing alongside her fear. A threat was one thing, but shooting at Ulya was unacceptable. It didn't matter how little Luca might be involved the evidence was damning. Today was the day for action, she decided. The day she got her first tattoo, the day Ulya nearly died, the day Adrian showed his true colours. The day Luca Kufain would pay. Chapter 21, At Last I See the Light, and It's Almost Out. Chat Noir stayed by the window of the cramped room, a hand on his baton. The streets were relatively empty for a weekday morning, probably because no one else wanted to get shot at. Half of him wanted to go out and sweep through the block, but he wasn't taking any chances with Olya. He stayed in his civilian form until the police finally arrived on the scene. They needed to take Olya in for questioning, and only one person could accompany her. Nino was the automatic choice. Marinette stayed by his side as the squad cars pulled away, picking at her fingernails. I have class, she said hollowly and walked away. Though he wanted to follow after her, Chat Noir was needed far more than Adrian aggressed. He made it to the police station in five minutes, his backpack stowed on a nearby rooftop. Ladybug was already there. This is my fault, she told him, her voice low and only for his ears. Before he got the chance to ask what she meant, Olya and Nino arrived, and their focus was entirely on the civilians. A detective escorted them into an office, sitting on the other side of a desk. Please, take a seat, she told Olya. Trembling, Olya did as she was told, Nino an unmovable presence beside her. Chat couldn't help hurting for both of them, for the shock and terror circulating their systems. Being shot at was no walk in the park, and to have someone you loved being shot at. His gaze subconsciously shot toward Ladybug, the hard lines of her face unrelenting. She stood with her back to the door, arms crossed. It was only her eyes that betrayed her alertness, the way they bounced around the room without pause. Chat Noir arranged his features in similar aloofness, his movements deceptively calm as he positioned himself against the window. Tell me what happened, in your own words. The detective's demeanor was too positive for Chat's liking, but he supposed it was meant to keep Olya's nerves at ease. Ladybug, on the other hand, had yet to stop glancing around. To Olya's credit, her voice stayed even throughout the process. Nino's hand never left her back, though it stilled whenever Olya's throat bobbed. Chat couldn't help picking apart Nino's features, as he often did with other victims. There was fear in his eyes, yes, but there was a fury there, too. At last, Olya slumped back in her chair, pushing her glasses up the bridge of her nose. She was done, then. The detective sighed and set down her pen. Olya, I understand this is difficult for you, but I need you to think back a bit. Do you know of anyone who might want to hurt you, anyone we can add to a list of suspects? You didn't find the shooter. Ladybug's eyes narrowed, nostrils flared as she stared the detective down. Steepling her fingers, the detective raised an eyebrow. 
Our officers did their best, but I'm afraid they did not. Isn't that your job, Mademoiselle Bug? Chat instinctively stiffened, stepping forward to defend her, but Ladybug shot him a glare. There was such weariness in the way she took the insult, such mute acceptance. It made his stomach twist painfully to think that she was used to this sort of disrespect. She wasn't required to aid the Paris police. On the contrary, officers were paid and trained specifically to deal with these sorts of things, whereas she had to teach herself, and him, how to fight, how to win, how to prevent as many casualties as she could while also keeping herself safe. It was an impossible task for anyone, let alone two 14-year-olds. Respect was the one thing they were given, and to have it stripped away under such dangerous circumstances. He bit his tongue and forced himself to scan the street again. I don't know. Olya's heartbeat slipped with the lie, and that's attention turned back to her. Not that I can think of. She was hiding something. Why was she hiding something? He tried to catch Ladybug's eye, but her mask of indifference didn't crack. Either she saw through Olya's lie, too, or she knew what Olya was covering up. Chat couldn't read her well enough to tell which, a thought that made him bristle. All right, that's a great start, said the detective, turning the paper toward Olya. If you could just sign here, and then your boyfriend can take you home. Said boyfriend jerked to his feet, brow more furrowed than Chat had ever seen. Could I talk to you for a second, he snapped at Ladybug. Her eyes softened. Of course. But Chat recognized the anger rolling off Nino's shoulders, the manic fire in his eyes. Nino was hurt, he was confused worse of all, he was scared. And scared men didn't repress the urge to lash out. I'll join you, he said, an easy smile disguising his true intentions. Ladybug shot him a dirty look, but he wasn't dissuaded. The three of them left the room, and he heard Olya let out a breath of relief. If he came that close to death as a civilian, he'd want a moment without people crowding him, too. The station was swarming with blue uniforms, so they walked down the halls in search of a secluded room. Chat Noir watched Nino's posture broaden with every step, his frustration building with every passing second. Chat had to talk himself down from extending his baton between Nino and Ladybug. They found a relatively large janitor's closet at the end of the hall, and Chat flicked on the bare light bulb swinging precariously overhead. Talk he told Nino, not bothering to smother the gravel in his voice. I need you to give me the turtle miraculous again, Nino said, gaze fixed staunchly on Ladybug. She stilled, blue eyes flickering with grief. I can't give it to you. Do you have it? Yes, but dash. Nino slammed his hand into a metal shelf, and bottles of toilet cleaner hit the floor. My girlfriend was almost killed today he said through his teeth, chest swelling with fury, and neither of you were there to protect her. I can. Give me miraculous. For a second, Chat could understand Nino. He wanted to protect Olya, as any good boyfriend would, and the miraculous truly was the best way to go about it. Still, he trusted Ladybug's judgment over his own. Because if anything did happen to Olya, and Nino was in possession of that much power, the consequences would be disastrous. Ladybug's voice was steel, 
no. His expression pure, unadulterated hate, Nino lunged for Ladybug, a desperate sound tearing out of his throat. Eyes blown wide, Ladybug didn't move. Chat did. Grabbing Nino by his collar, Chat threw his friend into a row of paper towels, his fingertips digging mercilessly into his shoulders. Listen, kid, he seethed, face inches from Nino's, I don't care how angry you are, and I don't care who's at fault. If you ever go after my lady again, I will turn everything you love to dust. Got it? Chat, Ladybug warned from behind him, and a new wave of fury overcame him. Because she wasn't angry, she wasn't indignant she was just taking it. She thought she deserved it. He tightened his hold on Nino, and his friend clenched his jaw. I'm sorry, he panted, and the emotion in his voice was shocking enough that Chat almost lost his grip. I'm sorry, okay. But there's only two of you against a million of them. I want to help. There was a hand on his shoulder, a soft murmur of his name. He stepped back, though half his body stayed between Nino and Ladybug. He didn't bother plastering on a smile Nino needed a reminder to keep his temper. I understand you want to help, said Ladybug, her countenance infinitely more controlled than Chat's, but you don't know the risks. The last time I asked for your help, we were up against Akumas. Difficult Akumas, yes, but they weren't out to kill. These people, they'll stop at nothing to get what they want. You can't reason with them, and you certainly can't run from them. The sacrifice is astronomical. Nino scoffed, straightening out his collar from where Chat snagged it. Right, because being a beloved hero, being outside of the law, is such a great sacrifice. Again, Ladybug didn't fight back. Go back to your girlfriend, M. Lahif. She needs you right now, not Carapace. You want to keep the miraculous to yourselves, fine, he spat. See how far you get before someone else gets hurt. You know what I think? I think you're afraid of stepping down, Ladybug. He pressed forward, and Chat matched him step for step. It didn't sway Nino, and he stabbed a finger toward her chest. Because when you do, other people, better people, will take your place, and then no one will remember you. And you. He glared at Chat, but there were tears in his eyes. His finger shook. You're a coward. He left without another word, scrubbing a hand over his eyes. Chat waited until his footsteps faded before he turned to Ladybug. She looked blankly back at him. Since when do you let that kind of thing go, he asked. It took a moment for his words to register. He was angry, and rightfully so. We weren't there, and he acted accordingly. Acted accordingly. The phrase soured on his tongue. Emotion is no excuse to hurt someone especially the protector of Paris. A breathy laugh slipped past her lips, and she raised her hand to her mouth. Sorry, it's just, it's been a while since anyone's called me that. She wasn't lying. Maybe that's what made something in his chest crack that or the emotionless fog clouding her eyes. How could anyone see her as anything but a saviour? Why was she putting up with it? Why hadn't she snapped? shown these people exactly what she was capable of. 
Immediately, he knew the answer. She put everyone above herself, assigned herself all the blame. She truly believed she was at fault, he realized. Even when he walked into the station, the first thing she said, this is my fault. More than anything, he wanted to hug her, to tell her it was all going to be okay. But they weren't that kind of team anymore. The wall between friends and partners had been firmly built between them, and now all he could do was fix her with a long, searching look. We should get back in there, she told him, eyes flicking toward the closet door. He folded his arms, recalling the cagey way she'd acted right before Nino demanded to speak to them. Not until you tell me what you know. I don't dash. Don't give me that. Olya knows who's after her, and I think you do, too. Spill. She twisted her lips wryly together, a sure sign he hit the nail on the head. I've got people working on the situation, it's nothing for you to worry about. His mouth hung slightly agape. There are other miraculous holders. What? No. Her fingertips danced with the ends of her hair, and chat stilled. Who are your people, Pound, he asked carefully. She rolled her eyes, hands propped defensively on her hips. She's an old friend, chat, she knows what she's doing. His voice was barely audible. Don't tell me you're working with a civilian. At her silence, he wiped a hand down his face. How can you stand here and deny Nino Lahif his miraculous while you have another civilian actively putting herself in danger, he hissed. It's not his miraculous, Ladybug bit out, and I'm monitoring the situation as we speak. She asked to be put in the field dash. What, like Nino asked? Nino would just be acting out of emotion, Marinette is actually playing it smart. Whatever Chat was going to say died on his tongue. Marinette Dupain Cheng. That's who you're working with. The colour leached out of Ladybug's face, and he felt his blood go cold. It was no coincidence that Marinette was getting a tattoo done by Luca Kufain, then no, she knew exactly what he was involved in and she willingly put herself in a situation alone with him. Alone with some sort of crime boss. All because Ladybug allowed it. The anger made it as far as his throat before he swallowed it back down. Ladybug stood with her feet wide, braced to take the blow. She was waiting for him to yell at her, waiting to be blamed for Paris' downfalls yet again. And as much as he wanted to scream bloody murder, to rip open the door and get Marinette to safety, he couldn't ignore the hopeless look in Ladybug's eyes the idea that everything wrong in the world was her fault. She had been fighting a losing battle for so long, and been alone for most of it. There was nothing he could say that would make that better. How does Marinette connect with Ulyas's heir, he said at last. Ladybug blinked her shock at the evenness of his voice. He dipped his chin imperceptibly prompting her to answer. About a week ago, Ulya was emailed a death threat, she said quietly. Marinette was already connected with Luca Kufain beforehand, so I asked her to do a little digging. She found the sender's address in Kufain's computer, so all signs point to him. Why don't we bring him in? She thinks he's involved with more than just death threats. If we're bringing him in, we need it to be for something big 
something a jury is going to put him away for. One death threat, especially without direct evidence he was involved with the actual shooter, is not going to cut it. Chat lifted his arms in frustration. So what, then? We sit back, let him try to get to Olya again. Ladybug leveled him an irritated glare. We wait for Marinette to find something absolutely damning. Meanwhile, you can guard Mademoiselle Césaire. Nino was right she needs all the protection we can offer. Logically, Chat knew she was right. If Marinette was on her own, there was less chance her cover would be blown. Still, he couldn't overlook the churning in his gut, the sense that something was horribly off. Marinette was one of the most capable people he knew probably the reason Ladybug had agreed to whatever she had planned. But Marinette was also his, in a way. She stitched him up, listened to his secrets, made him feel more real than anyone else. She was his asylum, and the idea that Luca had his hooks in her, no matter how shallowly. He agreed to guard Olya, but only to appease Ladybug. Nino would be plenty paranoid for both of them being denied a miraculous would most likely make him even more cautious. In reality, he was going after Marinette. Because no matter how capable he thought she was, he couldn't sit idly by while she put herself in harm's way. Did it make him toxic? Maybe, but she was the brightest part of Paris. The city needed as much light as it could get. Before something snuffed it out. Chapter 22, Glimpse of Us, Kazoo Cover, But It's Serious. By the time Luca came to the cafe to pick her up, Marinette was ready. At the sight of her face, his features hardened. What happened, he demanded, scanning the running lines of her mascara. If she didn't know any better, she might have thought he was concerned. She raised a subconscious hand to the fake tear streaks. An eyedropper and a bit of hot water had been more than enough to create the illusion of an emotional breakdown. Sorry, she whispered in a trembling voice. I didn't have time to clean up. Luca hooked a finger under her chin, the creases between his brow unyielding. Tell me what happened. Forcing herself to cry was the hardest part. She buried her head in her hands, hoping it muffled out the strained edges of her sobs. Olya my best friend she almost died this morning. She almost died, Luca. Repressing the alarm bells blaring through her mind, she let him envelope her in the warm smell of leather. He stroked her hair, and it took every ounce of Marinette's self-control to keep from cringing back. She couldn't give away any sign she was uncomfortable with him, especially after the recent developments. If her act was convincing enough, if Luca truly thought she was romantically interested in him, maybe he'd call off the hit on Olya. Then she could focus on his involvement with Allery without worrying over Olya's safety. But physically, her body was crawling with an overwhelming revulsion. She gripped the lapels of his jacket, grounding herself in the familiar texture of the leather. Nothing could compare to the magical perfection of Chat's suit but she let her imagination drift far away from Luca's embrace. They were Chat's arms surrounding her, Chat's heart pounding against her ear. They had to be, because if it was anyone else. She inhaled a thin breath, fighting to keep her throat from closing up. I'm sorry, Marinette, 
Luca said, his cold ring catching on her ear. She nearly flinched before she caught herself. We don't have to do the tattoo right now, if you'd like. She shook her head. No, please. The police are doing everything they can, and I, I need a distraction right now. He nodded, releasing her only long enough to tuck her into his side. His thumb drew soothing circles over her upper arm, and a shudder coursed up and down Marinette's spine. They started walking off campus, and the chills didn't let up. Because now she was in his territory, operating under his rules. She placed a casual hand on her purse, hoping to soothe Tiki's nerves. The Kwame wasn't thrilled about Marinette going in as a civilian, but she knew what was at stake. They had discussed the plan beforehand, just after Chat agreed to watch over Olya. While Marinette was getting the tattoo done, Tiki would investigate the corners of the shop Marinette couldn't reach. That included the computer's hard drive, the cabinets of files, the other offices and whatever information they might contain. By the end of the night, all of Luca's secrets would be hers for the taking. Did you get something to eat? Luca asked her. Yes. Despite all the chaos of the morning, Marinette had remembered Adrian's advice long enough to choke down a stale croissant. I forgot my water bottle, though. Luca squeezed her closer, and Marinette gritted her teeth. I'm sure I have some in the shop. They were on Rudy Chas, now, and the sun was falling faster than Marinette would like. The tattoo would take a few hours, so she'd be walking home in the dark. Unless Luca tried to take her home, in which case Marinette would have to keep up her act even longer. And that meant she couldn't start her patrol as early as she wanted to, and Chat would be alone, and Olya would only have one hero guarding her instead of two. When Nino asked begged for the turtle miraculous, a selfish part of Marinette was tempted to indulge him. Three superheroes were better than two, after all, especially with the tensions running high across the city. But the days of Akuma purifying were over. Now that they were dealing with rapists and murderers and human scum, Marinette found it hard to trust anyone else to institute justice. In the beginning, she was pushed to the brink of her morals. There was a savage part of her that wanted nothing more than to put down the criminals, to make sure they never got back up. It took a dozen late-night discussions with Tiki to wrestle herself out of that barbaric mindset. Nino wouldn't be considering those sorts of things if he had a miraculous, not with Olya in such imminent danger. The only thought on his mind would be Olya's protection, no matter the cost. Marinette couldn't have someone else's death on her conscience, not even a criminal's. Second skin was dimly lit, as always. Luca didn't let go of her until she was settled in the chair. Do you have something under your sweatshirt, he asked, his tone almost apologetic. Oh, yeah. She shrugged her sweater halfway off, careful to keep her other shoulder covered. Allery's sniper had ruined the skin there, and she didn't want to hint at anything other than pure innocence. She'd put in too much work to be sloppy. Luca rubbed at the goosebumps prickling over her arm, unprotected by her thin tank top. His hand was large and calloused, but all wrong. I'll try to be fast, he promised her. She cast a glance at the row of needles lining his work table and offered him a light smile. I'm not scared, she told him softly, 
lying back against the chair. Luca's fingers ghosted her collarbone. You can start whenever you like. There was such warmth in Luca's expression that a kernel of guilt bloomed in her ribcage. As he rolled his stool close to her side and scrubbed her skin with an antiseptic wipe, Marinette remembered his guitar. She heard his music in the way he looked at her, and felt the affection in the graceful movement of his fingers. It was easy to slip back in her memory, back when Hawkmoth was still around, and she spent her summers on the Kufain's riverboat. Then he turned to grab the tattoo gun, and she caught a glimpse of the blue snake curled behind his ear, the same snake printed on Allery's crates. She inhaled a deep breath, forcing herself back to the present. Luca positioned his hand over her collarbone, wrist leaning lightly against her shoulder. This is going to hurt, he told her gently. I know. I'm ready. She bit her lip at the first prick of the needle, her muscles shrinking back from the foreign sensation. His eyes never leaving the task, Luca brushed his knuckles along her neck. You good? he murmured. Yeah, just getting used to it, she said, sucking in a breath. Tell me if you need a break. I'm not going to judge you for having a low pain tolerance, especially when I'm working around the bone. Marinette clamped down on a dry laugh, recalling the scars running up and down her body. Whatever you say, she answered wryly, leaning her head back. A red blur zipped out the door and a wave of relief swept through her veins. Tiki was already on the move, their plan was falling into place. Once this stupid tattoo was done, they'd have all the information they needed to bring him in. She'd never have to feel the weight of his stare again. The needle was nowhere near as painful as Luca prepared her for. Maybe it was because of his skill, but she had a sneaking suspicion her alter ego had something to do with it. Something about being shot and stabbed really dulled the pain of a tattoo gun. Beneath the buzzing of the fluorescent lights, Marinette let her mind wander to the events of the day. She knew she should focus on Olya's near-death experience, trying to piece together where the shooter was positioned and how to prevent it again, but she'd been thinking about that for the entirety of the afternoon. Her brain was a pretzel of possibilities, none of which she could confirm. No, of course her thoughts kept trailing back to Adrian's confession on the roof. How his father practically enslaved him to the fashion industry, how he thought he owed aggressed fashion his life and body, how he had a tattoo. That was the most shocking part of it all, if she was being honest. Adrian and tattoo didn't belong in the same sentence. Mildly, she wondered what it was. A clock? A lion? Those seemed like reasonable guy tattoos, but Adrian didn't strike her as that type. Something piano-y, then. A few Chinese characters. The aggressed fashion logo. She snorted aloud at the last idea, covering her mouth before Luca could question it. If it was the aggressed logo, she'd never let him live it down. Assuming she even wanted to see the tattoo, which she most certainly did not. At least, she shouldn't want to. Friends didn't think of friends that way. The naked way. By the time Luca finally pulled away, Marinette was a bundle of furious nerves. She was being ridiculous her brain was being ridiculous. She knew better than to think of Adrian in that context, particularly after the train wreck that was high school.
Her body might be desensitized to pain, but her heart was still catching up. You did so good, Marinette, said Luca, lip ring pulled up in an easy smile. It looks fantastic. Please, you're the one who did all the work, she gushed, desperate to get her mind back on track. Tiki wasn't back yet, but she wasn't concerned. Luca was completely unaware, exactly where she wanted him. The only thing left to do was go home. He had just finished smoothing a bandage over the area when they both heard the back door open. Luca went rigid, the tenderness in his gaze going flat. I'll be right back, he told her, unusually tense. They know better than to interrupt. Muttering something about buffoons, he threw his gloves in the bin and left, being careful to close the door behind him. A blanket of fuzzy nerves wrapped itself around Marinette's bones, and she couldn't help standing from the chair. She knew she should keep up her innocent act, but she couldn't resist the anxiety churning in her gut. Voices murmured from beyond the door, none of which sounded like Luca. Marinette pressed her ear to the keyhole, her heart rate picking up with every passing second. She almost convinced herself everything was alright until she heard the telltale click of a gun safety being flicked off, the phrase, put down the bug. She wasn't naive enough to disregard it as coincidence. Heavy footsteps thundered toward the office, and she couldn't repress her unease any longer. She wrenched open the door and bolted for the front. Gunshots peppered the wall behind her, and she screamed as the plaster exploded onto her clothes, her hair. She hit the ground, running on pure adrenaline to scramble toward the shop's lobby. Her sneakers slipped on the hardwood, and she had to cling to the baseboard to stay somewhat upright. No matter what, she couldn't fall, couldn't make it easy for them. If they were going to kill her, they'd have to work for it. Distantly, she heard Luca yelling something, but another wave of bullets ripped through the air. Though the black curtain was a few steps away, Marinette had been in the field long enough. Tiki was gone, she couldn't transform, and Luca's goons were closing in. She wasn't going to make it. Then the curtain was torn to the side, and Chat Noir burst through. Marinette could only stare as he looked her up and down, the glint in his eyes nothing short of lethal. His chest was heaving like he'd run a marathon, the set of his jaw unrelenting. His focus lingered on her for a short, searching moment before he moved again. He yanked the curtain off its hooks, sending pieces of metal flying to the ground. When those deadly footsteps rounded the corner, Chat hurled the curtain at the attacker with one hand, then extended his baton with the other. There was no reluctance to his actions, just devastating, brutal force. The end of his baton cracked into the man's jaw, and he crumpled under the dark fabric. Stay here, Chat said slowly, voice tight with restraint. There's more outside. He plunged into the hallway, baton swinging. All Marinette could do was listen to the wheezing groans, the sparse gunshots and the tinkling of broken glass. She was breathing too fast, but she couldn't stop. Tiki was missing, Chat was up against the wrong end of a gun, her plan was ruined, she was out of control, she couldn't do anything. Fingernails clawing through her hair, she dropped into a crouch and braced her face between her knees. In through the nose, out through the mouth. She needed Tiki, 
she needed her suit, her yo-yo, something. Why had she ever transformed? Why did she ever think baiting Luca was a good idea, that she had a perfect handle on everything? She was an idiot, she was useless, and now her partner was about to die. As the sounds of conflict faded around her, the skin over her collarbone started to sting. The reality of the situation caught up with her, and her shoulders shook with silent, miserable laughter. All this for a tattoo. Seconds, hours, years passed before someone grabbed her. Marinette didn't have the energy to flinch away she deserved to die. Stay with me, I'm getting us out of here, Chat barked, his arm banded firmly around her waist. His neck was misted red, and it wasn't until he led her down the hallway that she saw why. The tattooed men she had glimpsed lurking around Rudy Chas were laid out over the floor, slumped against walls and side tables. Marinette didn't have the senses to check if they were alive or not, but their injuries didn't appear fatal at first glance. She also noticed Luca was absent from among them. She couldn't decide whether or not to be relieved. When they reached the door, Chat pulled her around to face him. Hang on as tight as you can, he said, guiding her arms over his shoulders. Keep your head down until I say so. She protested, but Tiki caught her attention from down the hall, mercifully out of Chat's sight. Her eyes were wide and watery, the apology clear in the lines of her expression. Marinette shook her head in a mute dismissal, beckoning her Kwame into the safety of her sweatshirt. Tiki hid herself a split second before Chat opened the side door, and all hell broke loose. It was a miracle Marinette didn't break a rib with how rigidly she clung to Chat's neck. They were in the air as soon as they got outside, but that didn't stop the guns from popping around them. The gunpowder was thick enough to taste, the angry shouts loud enough to paralyze her. Chat got them out faster than Marinette expected him to wasting no time with witty banter or taunts. He was a living fire of movement, jumping and leaping and arching away from the conflict. She didn't know how he managed to evade the onslaught while also keeping an arm around her, but whatever he did worked. By the time they alighted on the Eiffel Tower, the wind unusually absent, Marinette found her voice, the only thing that could protect her from the agonizing emotion straining in her chest. You stupid cat! she snarled, shoving him back the moment he set her down. You almost got yourself killed back there. It was the wrong thing to say. Chat advanced on her faster than she anticipated. He was leaning over her, eyes blazing with unhinged fury. I wasn't the one who willingly walked into Rudy Chas by myself. I wasn't the one getting shot at. I thought you were smarter than that, Princess Dash. Stop being such a hypocrite. The words were pouring out of her, now, the anger dripping off her tongue. Just because I'm a civilian doesn't mean I can't fight. That's exactly what it means, he roared, and the anguish in his voice made her freeze. She'd never seen him like this panicked, unsure. The sensation boiling in her blood cooled, but she stood her ground. She didn't know what to think. Chat dropped his hands dragging a hand through his hair. I'm a hero, he said, tone softening to something weary. I'm supposed to be fighting your battles, not the other way around. 
It sounded so similar to her own promises as Ladybug that Marinette had to take a breath. She'd forgotten how alike they were, how much they'd been through together. Marinette dealt with the aftermath of his injuries, sure, but Ladybug was there when he got them. She knew him. She knew him, and that's why his absence hurts so much. Marinette had missed him, of all things. And if that were true, she couldn't let him leave her again. She pressed forward, pushing a finger into his sternum. His gaze went wide and dazed, dancing over her features in confusion. Ignoring the flutter in her stomach, she said, if you think I'm going to sit on the sidelines and watch you get hurt dash. I'm not asking you to dash. I am not going to sit on my balcony like some war widow dash. Marinette dash. Because I know I'm not a hero, but I can handle myself dash. Marinette dash. Seriously, chat noir, I can't believe you dash. Then his hands were on her face, and whatever she was going to say died in her throat. He didn't hide the way his frame curved around hers, the way he cradled her entire body as if she was some fading vapor. The utter reverence in his eyes pierced her own, the question clear and striking. Marinette didn't think. She tilted her head back, barely an inch. It took half a second before his mouth was on hers, and everything in her brain turned to mush. It took much longer than that before either of them pulled away. Chapter 23, Chat on the Catwalk, What Will He Do? Adrian rarely walked onto a shoot with anything less than quiet confidence. His father had always stressed it, and made sure the aggressors maintained an unruffled countenance and a pristine reputation among the competitive brands. That was the only reason Adrian didn't immediately scowl as he entered the Calvin Klein studio. The photographers mobbed him the second he walked through the doors, all white teeth and empty compliments. Adrian almost regretted leaving his bodyguard in America, especially when the stylist got her hands on him. I can't thank you enough for partnering with us, she said, acrylic nails scraping down his arm. Unlike the others, her gaze still held a glimmer of innocent wonder. By the blind adoration in her expression, he guessed she was a fan. He didn't mind his fans, but he didn't like the idea of an infatuated stylist running his shoot, let alone an underwear campaign. But this was a one-time thing. Gabriel's agreement only covered one instance, one photoshoot. He couldn't let one woman's lingering interest sour his trained poise. She showed him into his dressing room, complete with a useless fruit basket and an intricate charcuterie board. At least Plague would be occupied while he was gone leaving the God of Destruction alone in a room was asking for trouble. They want to start with these. She gestured to a small pile of fabric, pink dusting her cheeks. Once you've changed, you can put on a robe and come out for hair and makeup. I appreciate it. He waited for her to leave, a cloud of pink dusting her cheeks, before he let the professional expression slip off his face. Plaid was already laughing in greedy delight, zooming for the wheels of cheese. I miss these things, he crooned. We should do this more often, at least for the camembert. Shaking his head fondly, Adrian plucked up the garment the stylist gestured to. His nose wrinkled at the color. It was nothing exciting, just a basic gray. 
That only reinforced the idea that Adrian or, more specifically, his body was the campaign's true allure. He thought back to the billboards from his perfume advertisements, all the uproar those caused. Back then, he wasn't an adult the craze was contained by his age. This, on the other hand, I really don't want to do this. It was the most honest thing he'd said in his life, and the way Plague stopped eating, the Kwame knew it. Eyes narrowed to slits, Plague raised a paw toward the underwear. I can destroy it, if you like. You know that's not going to solve anything. Then I'll break your arm. That should buy you a couple of weeks. Adrian laughed, pacing the length of the dressing room. It had only been a few months since his last shoot, but the scrap of fabric in his fist felt like a red-hot brand. How long would it be before he was out of the limelight? How long until he was seen as the future CEO of aggressed fashion rather than some ditzy model? After Gabriel's diagnosis, Natalie assumed the position to let Adrian go to university. It was a gift Adrian hadn't expected, but one he also couldn't refuse. Both of them knew he didn't have the experience or faculties to sustain such a large-scale corporation. Besides, Natalie would give anything to stay at Gabriel's side. She might be CEO on paper, but his father still pulled the strings. My father, he scoffed, chucking the outfit onto the vanity. Who is he to tell me who I am? First I'm a son, then I'm a failure, then I'm a model, a businessman, and when all that isn't enough, I'm a superhero for him to fight. It doesn't even matter that I beat him. He won a long time ago. Without warning, Plagg grabbed him by the ear and yanked him close. Wake up, he shouted, and Adrian couldn't budge from his grip. Your piece of crap father is drooling in a hospital bed while you're studying medicine and taking down criminal organizations. You're an incredible hero, Adrian, and a damn good friend. So stop putting yourself down. You won. Adrian wrestled out of his grasp, not sure if the burning in his eyes was from Plague's fervent tone or his breath. Just shut up so I can get this over with, he said. Plague scoffed at his blatant lack of response, but he went back to the charcuterie board. Blowing out a breath, Adrian started on the buttons of his shirt. This was the worst part of any shoot, in his opinion, the part that was all up to him. Because in the end, it was his decision to undress and change into what the stylist selected. It was the illusion of control. He grimaced at himself in the full-length mirror, the sheer amount of skin on display hollowing out his stomach. And the tattoo stretching from the base of his ribs to his hip bone. He covered it with his hand, doing his best to put it in his mind. He tied on the provided robe and abruptly left the dressing room. If he took any longer, he was afraid he'd bow out. Just that morning, he was on the phone with one of the many lawyers employed by Agrest Fashion. She explained the repercussions that would ensue if he didn't follow through with the shoot, how it might put his future CEO position at risk. Adrian invested too much of his childhood too much of himself into the company to let that happen. For today, he would put his discomforts aside, if only for his future. The set was more crowded now that the photographer and his team arrived. Adrian smiled wholeheartedly at the familiar man, that ever-present camera hanging from his neck. 
Nice to see you again, M. Vincent, he said, extending a hand to shake. As always, M. Vincent responded with double the enthusiasm. Adrian, my dear boy. I didn't know you were still modelling. His grin smoothed into a frown, and he glanced toward the set as if he'd forgotten it existed. Adrian put an unconscious hand on the front of his robe, as if M. Vincent and the entire room wasn't about to see him naked. As much as I've enjoyed it, I'm hoping this will be my last session. In a manner very much unlike him, M. Vincent beckoned him to his workstation a makeshift desk amidst rows of backdrops. I must speak to my subject alone, he announced to the crew, his voice all grandeur and pomp. Please forgive the delay, but artistic perfection must not be rushed. Once they were alone, though, that arrogant snobbery was exchanged for a deep consideration. Adrian could feel himself unravelling beneath his scrutinising stare, honed from decades of putting together the perfect shot. He felt like a child again, on the other end of that inspection. He half expected Vincent to talk about Mama's spaghetti. You walk onto set, I know you don't want to do this, he said matter-of-factly, his tone low enough to go unheard by the other crew members. If this is true, I don't want you as my model. Calvin Klein wants me, Adrian responded coolly. And I'm guessing they want you, too, badly enough to get you down here. Neither of us get a choice in this. At that, M. Vincent's brows flicked up toward his receding hairline. I assume your father has something to do with this. Adrian shrugged. Your guess is as good as mine. Even after everything went down with Hawkmoth, Adrian was careful not to speak badly of his father. He wasn't the CEO of Agrest Fashion yet, but he still needed to keep up Gabriel's well-known facade. His father was a monster in his own home, but to the outside world, he was the face of the fashion industry. Adrian would be a fool to squander that. M. Vincent muttered an Italian curse. I was told the model was young, but I didn't want it to be you. At Adrian's blanched expression, he sighed and added, I watched you grow up, Adrian. Modeling clothes is one thing, but this. He winced at the Calvin Klein banner being put up on set. It's one shoot, Adrian said weakly. Do you really think this is going to be like every other shoot? M. Vincent rubbed a hand over his mouth, his fingers shaking. After this, your fans are going to think they know you well enough to be, forward. And I know you think they're already forward, but I'm telling you, it's going to get a thousand times worse. Adrian fiddled with the fluffy ties of his robe, hating the way he couldn't shut down the anxiety prickling down his spine like he normally could. Because he knew the truth behind M. Vincent's words, the uproar this campaign would cause. And he couldn't do anything about it. The only time he ever felt truly in control was as Chat Noir, but this wasn't a situation Chat Noir could save him from. Adrian caught himself slipping back into Chat's fearless mindset. The mindset that let him run around Paris past midnight, the one that made people feel safe, the one that let him kiss Marinette Dupain Cheng beneath the Eiffel Tower. That was the smartest and stupidest thing he'd ever done. He wasn't planning on doing it wasn't he planning on thinking of anyone that way but after watching her shout at him, the brightness of her eyes was nothing short of enchanting, he couldn't resist. For a split second, 
he thought she was going to slap him. It was the best shock when she didn't. She was everything he missed about Paris the warmth, the thrill, the constant sense of belonging. He thought she was incredible to begin with, but to feel her whole body against his, to practically inhale her soul. After they pulled away, he took her back home. Neither of them said anything. The air was still heavy with the lingering fear of the shootout and the exhaustion clouding Marinette's features. He lifted her hand to his lips, the furthest he'd let himself go. Good night, princess. The real tenderness in her eyes was enough to make leaving the most difficult thing in the world. But leave he did, and he had yet to see her since. Sure, there were his daily interactions with her on campus, but it wasn't the same at all. Adrian didn't get to see Marinette the way Chat saw her, the way she truly was. Witnessing her conversations with Olya and Nino, so void of the energy he was used to, made his skin crawl. He tried to visit her the last couple nights, but she wasn't home. After what happened at Second Skin, he couldn't help wondering if she was using that time to throw herself into more dangerous situations. The minute the shoot was over, he could spend the rest of his weekend searching for her. The sooner they started, the sooner he found Marinette. I can handle it, he told M. Vincent, hardening his voice into Chat Noir's smug tone. Before the photographer could pick his answer apart, Adrian turned for the hair and makeup stations. The beauticians grinned at him, but all he saw was vain greed. While the hairdresser teased out his curls in a perfect imitation of Bedhead or at least what he hoped was Bedhead the stylist pulled the makeup artist over. I want his eyes dark, but make his lips soft. Adrian had to tune her out after that. It was all the confirmation he needed that this campaign was never about the clothes. And he thought his father couldn't get any more repulsive. The makeup artist did his job well enough, judging by the stylist's pleased expression. Adrian couldn't bring himself to look in the mirror, too scared of what twisted version of himself he might see. All right, time for the robe to come off, said the makeup artist, laying out another bronzer palette. He raised an eyebrow. I thought the makeup was just for my face. The makeup artist chuckled, pushing his glasses higher up his nose. Trust me, M. Vigrest, no one's going to be looking at your face. Adrian was going to be sick. He shrugged off the robe, and the stylist took it from him. He tried not to notice the way her eyes flitted down his chest before she finally walked away. Get used to it, he thought wryly. You're going to be dealing with this for a while. The makeup artist made him stand up, and Adrian winced at the first prickle of the makeup brush. It was over his arms, down his sternum, across his stomach. He felt touched in the worst way possible. Do you know your concealer shade for this? asked the artist, tapping Adrian's tattoo with the hard end of the makeup brush. Adrian opened his mouth to answer, but the stylist cut in. Leave it. He went absolutely still, breath catching in his throat. The makeup artist spoke for him. With all due respect, it will certainly draw away from the brand. People's eyes will be drawn to this rather than the Calvin Klein waistband. It adds character, she corrected. Keep it. Adrian gritted his teeth, 
an act that didn't go unnoticed to the makeup artist. This looks very personal, the artist murmured. Not at all, he forced out, trained countenance slipping back into place. Like she said, it adds character. It sets me apart. The panic was a tsunami in his chest, threatening to destroy his cool, collected facade. If Calvin Klein did their job right, everyone in Paris was going to see this ad. That meant she would see it, and then she'd have questions, and then he'd have to face the reason he got it in the first place. When they finally moved him onto the set, lights positioned to blind him and backdrop perfectly ironed, Adrian's mind went entirely blank. He couldn't think beyond the cameras focused on him, the people staring, how utterly exposed he was. M. Vincent peeled off from the other photographers, his expression foggy with concern. Take a minute, son. We'll take some test shots and call you back in a few. There was no room for argument. Adrian nodded sharply and returned to the dressing room. By the time he was inside, his chest had tightened to the point of pain. Geez, kid, what did they do to you? Plagg asked, the usual sneer in his voice completely dissipated. Adrian grabbed for his phone, hurriedly punching in Natalie's number. She picked up on the third ring. Hello? I don't want to do this, he blurted, feeling more out of control than ever before. There are plenty of other ways aggressed fashion can partner with Calvin Klein. I know plenty of other models who would be more than happy to take my place. Natalie's huff was nothing short of disappointment. Calvin Klein didn't ask for any other models, they asked for you. Your father knew what he was doing when he helped you sign on for this. I'm sorry you're feeling badly, but I can promise you it's for the best. Now if you'll excuse me, I have other calls to tend to. She hung up, and Adrian didn't have the energy to be surprised. He just stood there in the center of the room, waiting for his breathing to steady. He already knew the answer before he called, but his desperation got the better of him. He wanted to believe that somehow, he would be saved from this. That somehow, he could have escaped his father's hold without losing the last of his innocence. But Ladybug's reach didn't extend to this level of corruption. Adrian was alone in this. Then something grabbed onto his side and he startled at Plagg clutching fiercely at his ribs. You know I can do something about this, Kwame said, voice muffled against Adrian's powdered skin. Let me destroy their cameras, and their fancy lights. Let me help. Despite his anxieties, Adrian wasn't selfish enough to risk his Kwame's privacy, or scare the crew members. Not today, Plagg. He plucked the little god off his side and set him on the untouched charcuterie board, ignoring the way Plag tried to nip at his fingers. If Chatnoir doesn't back down from a fight, Adrian Agrest isn't backing down from one silly photoshoot, he added, doing his best to channel his alter ego's endless swagger. Plag shot him a dejected look, mouth stubbornly closed. There was a knock at the dressing room door, the stylist's leering voice, we're ready for you. Wish me luck, Adrian said and threw himself back to the walls. Hours later, he was fully clothed and fully disgusted with himself. He couldn't transform fast enough, spending the entirety of the day running around Paris and convincing himself it hadn't been that bad. 
with M. Vincent running the shoot, the poses hadn't truly crossed any lines. Maybe toed it, but M. Vincent always stopped things before they went too far. What Adrian was most concerned about was his impulsive tattoo, and the fact it was completely out on display. Vincent did his best to focus on Adrian's plainer side, but the stylist was adamant. It doesn't have to be the focus, but I want it in the background, she said on several occasions. The people want to see him as a person, not just a model. Every time, Adrian subconsciously tried to cover it up. And every time, M. Vincent had to reluctantly remind him to keep his arms away. If not for the fact he was practically naked, Adrian might have enjoyed the shoot. He was good at modeling. His skill was the only positive thing that had come from his father's household, and to give it up all summer had taken more out of him than he'd thought. Then again, it was only with decent artists like M. Vincent that he felt comfortable on set. As the industry got more cutthroat, those decent artists were few and far between. But after this campaign, getting hired for clothed shoots would be more difficult. M. Vincent had warned him about that, too. The best option to focus on was his university classes and the position waiting for him at Agrest Fashion. Those would be less concerned with his appearance and more with his undeniable experience, and they couldn't be hindered by his father's meddling. After these pictures came out, he was completely free of his father's hand, and completely on his own with how to deal with the backlash. His current plan was to ignore it, and if that didn't work, to spend more time as Chatmore so he was forced to ignore it. And then there was the tattoo to think about. Despite the fear he felt at it being seen by all of Paris, he couldn't bring himself to regret it. He had it done the first week in America, while his world was being turned upside down. It was the choice of a scared boy, a tribute to the only thing that brought him comfort. Who was he to invalidate a child's place of peace? He knew he wasn't a child anymore, but in that moment, when everything was ripped out of its roots, it was like experiencing pain for the first time. His response was pure instinct. Now he was going to have to face the consequences. Chat found himself running a circuit around Marinette's apartment, uncertain as to whether or not he should approach her. On the one hand, he couldn't stop thinking about her and wanted to make sure she was doing all right. On the other hand, maybe he hadn't heard from her for a reason. Maybe she changed her mind after that night at the Eiffel Tower. It took half an hour of indecision before he finally climbed the lattice to her balcony, heartwarming at the light flickering through her bedroom window. He inhaled a deep breath and rapped at her door, then leaned back against the metal railing. He wanted to give her space in case she changed her mind a possibility he didn't truly want to consider. There was the sound of a book closing, and then Marinette was peeking her head out. At the sight of him, her lips quivered into the semblance of a smile. Hey, Kitty. She moved into the moonlight, incandescent in her baggy pyjama set. Her hair was down, she smelled of coffee, and all his worries over the shoot felt insignificant beneath the power of her elegance. Though he knew it wasn't enough, that his words would never be enough to encompass everything he felt, he said, you look gorgeous. Thank you. She braced her elbow on the railing, a smile faltering slightly when she met his gaze. She put her hand on his cheek unflinchingly, 
brow pinching together. Are you okay, she murmured. It would be so easy to lie. So easy to laugh it off, sweep her off her feet, distract her with some overdramatized story of walking a grandmother across the street. Chat steeled himself to do just that before she drew closer to him, her gaze never leaving his. Then her thumb was stroking his cheekbone, and he couldn't hold it any longer. He dropped his head onto her shoulder. It's been a long day. Come here. Taking his hand, she led him gently to her lounge chair. She sat, and he stretched out over her legs. Once they were settled, his arms around her waist and his face pressed into her stomach, she started playing with his hair. Tell me about it, she said. I was forced to do something I really, really didn't want to do, he admitted, barely keeping himself from telling the truth and giving away his identity in the process. The decisions were made for me, and I couldn't do anything about it. I could only stand there and, and try not to fall apart. That's horrible, chat. Her voice was soft above the ever-present blare of taxis and street vendors, her steady heartbeat pounding through his ears. I'm so sorry. He let out a thin breath, unsettled by how close it was to a sob. She had nothing to apologize for, but she was doing it because no one else would. Because no one else saw the injustice, and no one else ever would. Even Ladybug didn't see him as holy as Marinette did. She saw the near-fatal injuries, the fearful tones, and now, the daily battles of his civilian life. She saw it all, and the only way she responded was by embracing him, by stitching him up and telling him to be careful. Chat would never deserve her. He didn't dare speak, too afraid of the tightness building in his throat. He might trust her with his life, but he didn't trust her with his tears not yet, at least. Marinette was still under his protection, so she had to see him as close to invincible as possible. He was her protector as much as she was his comforter. No photo shoot, however uncomfortable, was going to change that. I'm here, she told him, combing her fingers through the snarls of his hair. Take as much time as you need. You're worth every second, okay? He tightened her hold on her, smushing his nose against her shirt. Was she trying to get him to cry? Between her words and the way she had yet to stop touching him, he was having a hard time keeping the shrinking in his lungs under control. Then he heard the footsteps, and Chatmois snapped back into play. Someone's in your room, he told her quietly, pushing slowly off her stomach. Marinette held his arm tightly, forcing him to look at her. It's just my friend Olya, she told him firmly, eyes dancing with a silent sort of amusement. She likes to show up uninvited from time to time. You don't have to go into badass mode, I promise. Chat gave her a dry look that made her snort. You wound me, princess. Before he could talk himself out of it, he leaned forward and pressed a kiss to her forehead. Have fun with your friend, he said, standing up to leave. But as he leaped to the next rooftop, he thought he glimpsed blue through her bedroom window. Olya must be wearing a blue shirt today.